Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Hello, I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to Marriage Helper Live. Uh, we are having a little technical difficulties as we get started here. Uh, Mr. Producer, I cannot hear anything in my ears at all, so he can help me with that. It would be great. Thank you. And sorry for that little problem. Uh, sometimes things just kind of go bad at the wrong time, but we appreciate you being with us today. Now, let me start by talking about a particular topic, if I may. We've actually talked about this in an advertisement. <laughs> I'm watching the producer climb under the table. This is fun. And now he's over here. <laughs> I hope you guys are having much fun with this as I am. Okay, very good. Now I can hear. Thank you very much. Okay. There's this thing out there that people talk about called no contact. What they mean by that is if your spouse has left you or is in the process of leaving you, you can actually manipulate them into wanting you to come back by having no contact with them whatsoever. If you look on YouTube, you can find all kinds of videos about this where people are saying, don't do this contact. And by doing no contact, these following seven things are going to occur in the mind of your person who is leaving you that you love. Well, Let me just give you a couple of things about that, if I may. We do not endorse the concept of no contact. Now, you might be saying, well, big, hairy deal. We don't care what you endorse or what you don't endorse, Dr. Beam. Well, let me put it to you this way. We have worked with thousands upon thousands of couples. And understand that when people come to our workshop, for example, or if they enroll in our online course, for example, typically these are people who want to save the marriage and they have a spouse that does not. Either he or she wants out for the fact that they have someplace else they want to be, someone else they want to be with, or they just simply don't want to be in this marriage anymore. And so we work with a lot of people who are doing everything they can to save the marriages. And then they run across these videos out there saying, well, one thing you need to do is to have no contact with your spouse that's trying to abandon you. And by having that no contact, he or she is going to miss you so terribly that they're eventually going to come back. That's not the way it normally works. Now, it may occasionally, because anything may work occasionally, but it's not the wise and smart thing to do. You say, why not? Well, think about it this way. Here's a person that's already abandoning you because he or she wants to be someplace else or with someone else. And now you are going to add to that by saying, okay, in that case, buddy or lady, I'm not going to have any contact with you at all. I'm not going to talk to you whatsoever. Leave me the heck alone. And somehow that's supposed to make you more attractive. It's manipulative. It actually is manipulative. You're trying to manipulate their emotions. And I always say this, if you're going to manipulate a person to come back, what kind of manipulation are you going to use to keep them once they do come back? Hmm. You see, it just doesn't work that way. And so we say that no contact is not the smart thing to do. We talk about smart contact. Now you say, what does that mean? Well, the second thing about it, first of all, saying that no contact is not the smart thing. Here's the other thing that's not the smart thing. There are people out there who take just the opposite view. They say that every single day you should be texting or calling the spouse that's trying to abandon you to let them know just how much you love them and that you're there. Hmm. I think that's just as bad as no contact. 
Because first of all, it's not very attractive. You say, what do you mean attractive? If I know that you'll be there no matter what, and that you're letting me know every single day that no matter where I am, what I'm doing, what I'm up to, that you'll be waiting for me, that is supposed to motivate me to come back to you? As a matter of fact, one guy actually said this to me a few years ago. He said, I know that she'll take me back whenever. Therefore, I have liberty to go do the things I want to do, to try the things I want to try. Now, if none of those work out, I'll come back to her. And when I said, how do you know she's going to be there? Because every single day she texts me or calls me and lets me know that she loves me, that she'll wait for me forever. And what she did by doing that was giving him the license to do whatever the heck he wants to do. That's not very smart either. Plus, you understand that in smart contact, here's how we talk about it. Smart contact is not no contact. Smart contact is not daily contact. Smart contact is smart. Now, as I start talking about this just a little bit more here, understand that I can't tell you everything about smart contact right now. It's much too comprehensive. Our CEO, Kimberly Holmes, and I recently did about an hour and a half of videos on smart contact talking about the intricacies, how to do this, how not to do that, why you should do this, why you shouldn't do that, and that's available to you. Uh, Mr. Producer, can we put that up on the screen so they can see how to find that? And here is the link for that, hopefully coming up. It's https colon slash slash marriagehelper.com smart dash contact dash toolkit here i'm trying to read it off the screen and i can't see the screen it'll be in the comments for those that are on facebook will also be in the uh, comments for those who are on on youtube but what about the people on blog talk Mm -hmm. okay you're also putting it on blog talk okay so that link's going to be wherever you're watching us from now obviously if you're listening to us on your phone via blog talk you're not going to see that screen so i'm going to say it once again it's marriagehelper.com slash smart dash contact dash toolkit toolkit being one word and then a slash again <laughs> i apologize i'm craning my neck around trying to read that on the screen but the screen screen that i have can't be seen very easily Now, it's extremely inexpensive, and it's an hour and a half of teaching that will tell you how to do this smart contact. And I hope that you do follow it because smart contact basically says the other person gets to determine what kind of contact you have and how you have it. Oh, I know that didn't sound good. You're thinking, wait a minute. No, no, he or she's wanting away from me. Why should I give that person the ability to make decisions about whether or not we have contact? Because you don't want to run the other person away. We often talk about things called push behavior and pull behaviors. Push is when you're doing something that rather than causing the other person to want to come toward you, actually causes the other person to move away from you. And when you do push behaviors, it means you're doing something that they don't like, that is affecting them in a very negative way. So in smart contact, if your spouse who's abandoning you says, don't contact me, then you don't. You say, wait a minute, you just told me not to do no contact. I'm saying that this is the difference. It's not you initiating no contact. It's that person initiating no contact. Now, there will be times, hopefully, and in most situations, almost always there will be. There will be times when you will have contact about various things. For example, if you have children together, you're going to have some communication. If you have some kind of a business together, you're going to have some kind of communication. Even if it's just about paying the bills, you're going to have some kind of communication. But you do it the way that the other person accepts it. What do you mean? If they like you calling them every day, then you call them every day. 
But it's not because you're now manipulating. You're doing something that they actually positively react to. If they don't want you calling them every day, then you don't call them every day. You only have contact with them when it's appropriate to do so because it's smart in that particular occasion to deal with the kids or to deal with business, whatever it might be. Now, the three things I've said so far, no contact, if you initiate it, it's probably going to turn out very, very bad, very bad. And also, Everyday contact, constant contact, if you initiate it, probably is also concerned about that. It's not going to be good for you. So what do you do? Smart contact. Knowing when to contact the other person, how to contact the other person, and if and when he or she contacts you, knowing how to react. Now, again, if you go to that particular site I was just saying, you can get that, and it will go through an hour and a half of videos. There are several different videos. It's not one long hour and a half video. Several different videos that will tell you how to do the smart contact. So it's marriagehelper.com slash smart dash contact dash toolkit. And you can get that there and it'll tell you how to do the smart contact. Okay, now we have several callers out here already. Let's see if I can get to those. And for those of you who may be wondering, you're saying, where is your co-host? Where is Kimberly Holmes, the CEO? Well, she has an obligation today with her children, and we very much want people to take care of their family. Okay, so we're going to go to Jason in Canada as our first call today. Hi, Jason. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, Dr. Joe. How, how may I help you today, Jason? So my wife separated from me three months ago, and for the first two months, I did everything wrong. I begged and pleaded. I apologized profusely for my part and more. I told her mm-hmm. I understood if she didn't want me back. Um, mm-hmm. I hacked into her text messages to see the nasty things she was saying about me to her friends and then got mad at her about it. Um, mm-hmm. And after the second time I hacked into her messages, she told me she wanted a divorce. And that's when I found you guys. And mm-hmm. since then I've gotten my emotions under control. I've worked Good. on myself and my pies a ton. And I've resolved to do everything I can to save the marriage. Um, Good. And I recently approached her to bring up the possibility of going to your workshop. And she mm-hmm. didn't say no, but felt it was a future thing to decide. And then mm-hmm. after that, she sent me an email asking for absolutely no contact uh, for a month unless it had to do with the kids. And mm-hmm. so I replied back and told her I understood she wanted time and space and that I would agree to it um, if she would agree to go to the workshop before she retained a lawyer or filed for divorce. Mm-hmm. And she said she couldn't agree to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, tell me what the original problem was. Why, why did she want to separate from you to begin with, Jason? Uh, there, there's a lot of issues, but I think the main one is um, just kind of around control and manipulation. I think we were trying to control each other and, and me mm-hmm. more so um, because mm-hmm. I would get angry and, and kind of fight. And um, she, I don't think she sees how she was trying to control me and, and she kind of takes flight in conflict. So she avoids mm-hmm. conflict a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she feels uh, oppressed. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, I wish we had gotten in contact with you sooner because as you know, the things you were doing kind of gives that same message, but I'm not trying to beat you up. I mean, welcome to the human race. Yeah. We, we all make yeah. mistakes. Now, in the context, when did she tell you not to contact her anymore except by the children? When did that occur? Um, so we, we've been doing quite a few, like, 
for the majority of the first two months, like we didn't have a lot of contact and mm-hmm. I tried to stay true to that. And then, but after I approached her with the workshop, she told me on, I think Saturday that she wanted absolutely no contact. And so I, I re- replied and said, Hey, if you'll agree to go to the workshop with me, I'll, um, uh, I won't contact you for the month that you've asked. And, mm-hmm. um, and so and I she reacted, to, mm-hmm, she reacted negatively to that. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Because in all likelihood, I'm, I'm asking you, I don't know your wife because she saw that as yet another effort to control. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. All right. When, when it comes to asking somebody to do anything, if you can understand what their motives are, then you have a much better likelihood of them doing what you ask them to do. I'm going to talk about it specifically in relationship to our workshop, but as a general principle of life. Uh, there's an old saying that everybody's favorite radio station is WIIFM, what's in it for me. And when you're saying to a person, okay, I'll stop contacting you if you'll go to the workshop, it's kind of like offering a negative. Like, I will stop contacting you. And, and what she's thinking is, oh, I can stop you contacting me. I mean, I've got some control over this. And so I would see how that she probably would not see that as a trade. You understand the fact that you're saying I'll stop contacting you if you go to the workshop doesn't sound to me like she would see that as a trade. What is it that she wants more than anything? Do you know? Um, well, we have two kids and she wants, um, you know, she wants them obviously taken care of. And I think that's what's most important to both of us. I did also Good. tell her like, um, you know, as, as part of it that I, um, uh, I, you know, if we did end up getting a divorce that while I did everything in my power to save a marriage, um, I'd also have to tell them the truth and say that I didn't feel that she had done everything in her power to save the marriage. So I did bring that up as well. Um, mm-hmm. and how did she react in, to that in our conversation negatively again? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because it, she still sees me as taking control. Exactly. And so if my friend, you can figure out how to communicate that differently, um, I'm going to explain something. It's going to take a minute or two here, so be patient with me. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> Allergies, I'm sorry. You see, when people do things, there's basically two different, there are basically two different kind of motivations. One is what's called an approach motive. It used to be called an appetitive motive, but nobody can spell that. So an approach motive basically says, this is something I'm going to do because it benefits me. And when people make a decision on an approach motive, here's a benefit that I get, they tend to want to do those things and are more likely to do it. Now, the other other motivation is what's called an avoidance motivation. And that's like, I'm going to do this, but I'm trying to avoid some negative by doing it. I'm going to do it because I don't want to hear you complain. I'm going to do it because I don't want to hear you yell at me or whatever it might be. I'm not saying that you're complaining or yelling. But an avoidance motive basically says, I'm not doing this because I think it benefits me. I'm doing this because I don't want the negative consequence that occurs if I don't do it. And so when you say, hmm, if you go to the workshop with me, I won't contact you. That's actually an avoidance motive. You're saying if you go to the workshop, then you can avoid me contacting you. And people typically react very badly to an avoidance motive. It's like, wait a minute, where's my self-determination? This should be about what I want to do, not the fact that I'm having to avoid something you're going to do to me. And so my suggestion would be this, since you both love your children, wait a little while, let some time pass where you can demonstrate that you're not going to panic, that you're going to demonstrate that you're not going to control her. 
you're going to demonstrate that you're going to understand what she feels and accept the fact that she feels that way. Then when the opportunity presents itself, don't push it. Don't force it. Just wait for it. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen next month. But when that opportunity finally comes, then look at her and go, okay, I understand we both have a very similar motivation. And that's to do what's best for our children. Now, this particular workshop that they do is not a parenting workshop. We always make that clear because if you tell her it's a parenting workshop and she gets and realizes that it's a marriage workshop, people react very negatively when that occurs. So when we say don't mislead them, but say, you know, they say, and, and as a matter of fact, we can document everything, nearly everything they talk about during that workshop is applicable to parenting. Now, there's a couple of principles that just has to do with husband and wife, but, but nearly everything they talk about is applicable to parenting, which means this, that even though it's a marriage workshop, and I realize you don't want to reconcile the marriage, we both want to do what's best for the children. And I don't want the children to be hurt. You don't want the children to be hurt. The fact that we're going to separate and divorce means they probably will. So let's figure out how to offset that as much as possible by learning the principles, by learning the principles that will help us better interact with our children. And we can learn that at this workshop. Now, that, if, if you're correct in, a, in your assessment, that is extremely important to her that the children do well. Now, that becomes an approach motive. An approach motive, yeah, it's something she does to benefit her. I want to make, take care of my children. I want to be a good mom to them that benefits her. As opposed to what you offered before, and I'm not trying to beat you up, okay, what you offered before was an avoidance motive. If you do this, then I'm not going to do that. So scratch the avoidance motive. Go toward the approach motive. It's always a matter of find out what's important to the other person. And once you find out what's important to the other person, figure out how to help him or her get that while getting what you want. Now, if there's going to be a solution, that's going to be it. But Jason, because of the fact that she's reacting negatively right now, hear me again. This is probably not going to happen in a very short period of time. It's going to take a little time to evolve where she can see that you are not going to try to control, dominate, etc. Now, if you can do that, I hope it works. As a matter of fact, it would have a good chance of working if you can do that. And if you come to the workshop, I look forward to meeting you there, my friend. And so now we're going to go to Ohio from Canada. We're going to go to Jose. Hi, Jose. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Are you on a speakerphone, Jose? Yeah, can you, uh, hi, can you hear me? Uh, I, I can hear you better now, yes. How may I help you today? Can you hear me? Oh, yes, I can hear you now. Sorry about that. Okay. All right. Okay. How may I help you today? Hi. Um, so I'm calling because, uh, well, long story short, <laughs> um, my wife and I have been together for nine years dating uh, and married all together. Uh, back when we first started dating, I had a lot of issues with myself, most of it being around uh, sex, ed, uh, sex addiction, uh, porn addiction, and um uh, a lot of my issues with myself came out toward her. So I was very negative toward her, very demonstrative, um, really just, you know, ruined self-esteem, her self-esteem when it came to that. Mm. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I am too. And um, I've done my best to try to change as a person and become a better man yeah. and let her know every day that she's a beautiful woman, that she's a beautiful person, that she's wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. A couple months ago, my wife let me know that, she feels like we should separate. Or she, she brought up divorce right away. She's kind of one of those people who go, you know, right to the right to the end line instead of like the, the mm -hmm. journey kind of thing. 
Um, but, uh, you know, she, she's recently, potent, she's potentially getting a job offer in uh, Cincinnati. I'm in Cleveland, she's in Cincinnati, so it'd be about four hours apart. And she sees this as an opportunity to make a, a clean break. Um, I see. Yesterday, we had a, a very deep conversation where she told me that she she knows I've changed so much, but all these issues that that happened back then, um, she's still holding on to right now and feels as though we, she feels like she can't be intimate with me because she feels like I'm going to need to be judging her constantly. So hmm. I'm trying to figure out, A, how to deal with this potential separation, and B, how to try to help her, or if I even can, understand that that's not who I am anymore and that um, things can get better from that. Okay. <clears throat> As to the separation, if she were to take that, oh, do you, uh, let me ask a question. Do you guys have children? Yeah. Okay. No. And you said no? No, we have cats. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm sorry. I misunderstood to begin with. And I realize okay. people can get very, very close to their pets. I understand that. So, <laughs> yeah. so if she were to want to move, there's nothing to stop her from moving. Is that correct? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. And when you, when, if, I'm, if I heard, heard correctly, when you were dealing with some mm-hmm. of the sex addiction stuff, she felt like an object. Is that correct? Not that she felt like an object, but whenever she, she, I would say things that would make her feel like less than a woman, like less than sexy. Um, I would make her feel bad about herself and never realizing what I was doing at that time until obviously when I started trying to get better. Um, And obviously now I completely understand what I was doing at that time. Okay. Did you want to make her feel bad? No, never. Okay. So the things you said were, were they things that you said because somehow they uh, enhanced your sexual activity that you thought they turned you on or something like that? No, I, I, I feel like a lot of it was, I was so, I felt so negative about myself Mm -hmm. that between Mm -hmm. my sex addiction, watching, watching porn constantly and Mm -hmm. my negative feelings myself, it was kind of just a projection of, well, I feel bad about myself and this is what I see. So here's me projecting my bad feelings about myself. And I didn't even feel good about watching porn then either. So it was like a double, I feel terrible about myself and I projected it onto her. Gotcha. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I understood there. Yeah, absolutely. Jose, the way it works is that I don't know that you can persuade another person that you have changed by telling them that you've changed because of the fact that people, people can say anything. And the only way to do it then is to do it by demonstration. Now, you, uh, mm-hmm. are you familiar with our, our program, our pies and things like that? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I've, I've, okay. been, I've been working on them. Yes, sir. Excellent. Good. And is she still living with you at this point? At this moment, correct, sir. Okay. And do you guys, you said you had a, a good conversation. Is that a regular thing? Are you having a lot of conversations with each other? We're, at least once a week we have a, a, a she, she even told me yesterday, she tries to check in on me to see how I'm doing at least once a week. Um, emotional, I'm, I'm a fairly emotional person. I, I, you okay. know, um, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. So she checks on me once a week. So we have a pretty deep conversation, but this is by far the deepest conversation we've had yet. And this is the first time she told me she's still been, she still has the holding those feelings from back then. Mm-hmm. Okay. And did you acknowledge her feelings? Did you say anything like, I understand. I, I see why you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Did, did you have that kind mm-hmm. of conversation? Okay, Ab- good. Absolutely. And how, did, <clears throat> and how did she respond to that? 
um, she she appreciated that I understood. Um, obviously, that doesn't change how she feels at the moment, but she appreciated that I understood. She she even told me, I know you're not that same person. I know you've changed so much, and you're 100% different than what you were back then. But I but I am still but I still can't let it go. And it's not that she doesn't want to. It's that her um, she's had a lot of trauma in her life, so um, mm. emotional, physical trauma from her family that she okay. you know she harbors a lot. So me adding on top of that didn't help anything, obviously. I see. So you hit a bunch of scar tissue there. Okay, yeah. I see that. Well, my friend, you say it's a potential job, so it hasn't been offered yet, correct? Not officially, no. No, oh, but you think it's going to be definitely. Uh, we both do, yeah. Okay. Well, it seems to me that she still cares about you if she's checking in on you once a week emotionally. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if if she didn't care about you at all, why would she at least once a week be trying to check in with you emotionally? So there's some kind of concern or care there. And that's the good mm-hmm. thing. That means, that means at least there's a spark in this air. There's a spark in there somewhere. And so rather than trying to talk her into the fact of that, you know, I, can't you see I've changed? What you just told me is that she already knows that you've changed. And so what she's mm-hmm. dealing with now is not you. What she's dealing with now is, is her own emotion. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Then rather than thinking about how do I convince her about me, because it sounds like she already has, then maybe change it to how do I take care of her? Now, I don't mean like you know, you're your daddy and she's daughter. I don't mean that. How can <laughs> I help her deal with her own emotions? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not not mm-hmm. because she's an inferior, not because she's got to have some kind of help, but because of the fact that you do care about her as well. For example, do you do you check in on her emotionally at least once a week? Absolutely. I check on her constantly. Or not constantly. I don't, not like overbearingly, but like, you know, hey, how are you feeling? Hey, you know, um, you know, what's going on today? She's ha- she had a gastric sleeve done this year. So I, um, and she had a lot of complications. She's in the, she's been in the hospital mm-hmm. for a total of three months this year. So I'm always mm-hmm. just checking, Hey, how are you feeling physically? Hey, how are you feeling emotionally? Hey, how's, you know, just, just a, a check-in, not an overbearing, like constantly checking in on her, but yeah, I do check on her. And how often do you do that? At least probably every other day, if not, um, you know, daily, at least on one of those points, not on every point, but at least on one of those points. Okay. Well, here, here is my suggestion. Okay. Right now, patience is going to be what you're going to have to do. I would recommend that rather than asking her every other day, that what you do is maybe do like she's doing, kind of cut back on that son, because it can appear to be controlling. It can appear to be that you are, um, what am I trying to say? That your emotions are on edge so much, because if you're asking, even if it's every other day, it might be like, oh, he's trying to take care of himself. He has these needs. When really what you want to communicate right now, if at all possible, is you want to communicate to her that you are focused on her needs. And so rather than asking every single day, my recommendation is that you not do that. My recommendation is that you back off at some. Now, again, it's your decision. You do whatever you think is best. And when you do it, be very laid back, very easygoing. And you can actually say things like, you know, I genuinely care about you. I know I touched those scar tissues, so I just want to see how things are going today. Now, what I hope happens is that that job offer doesn't come through right away, that you have enough time to be able to demonstrate even more to her that you are there for her, not just that you've changed, because obviously she's already seeing that based on what you said. She sees that you've changed, but to see that you actually are there for her. 
that it's not about, it's about you changing. It's you being there for her. Because based on what you said, the trauma from the past, the way that, that she reacted and still feels about the things that you said to her, it sounds to me like this is a woman in pain. And if she's in pain, then having somebody who can just listen without pushing, without making it intense, just laid back, I think that will work to your advantage. Now, you do what you think is best, but that's what I recommend. Back off. Let her know that you're there for her and make sure that whatever you ask, whatever questions you talk about, don't appear to be you needing affirmations, but you just genuinely there to do whatever you can for her. You might even want to ask that question. What can I do for you today? And don't do that every day. Okay. Now we're going to go from Ohio down to Florida to Miguel. Hi, Miguel. Are you there? Yes, sir. How are you doing? I am rocking and bobbing, except that my tongue is tied today and I have an allergy. You only hear all my pains. I've also got a gout in my knee. But <laughs> how may I help you? <laughs> it's just not my best day here. How may I help you, my friend? Well, I'm, I'm calling because I'm responding to Kimberly's uh, request that uh, people go with positive stories of reconciliation. Wonderful. So I responded to that. So how can I help? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, do you have a success story that you'd like to share with everybody? Absolutely. Um, I would say about four years ago, uh, our marriage was pretty much done. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, I was a, I was the one who wanted to leave the marriage. And when I came back uh, to my senses, for lack of a better term, that my wife wanted to leave the marriage. Mm-hmm. And it was quite a process. Like I say, it was about a good uh, three years. Um, mm-hmm. Finally, you know, after all of that, we were able to put the marriage together uh, on both ends by putting into practice, you know, what we learned through mm-hmm. Marriage Helper. And uh, it's been about two years since we finally reconciled and started good. really working on the marriage. And here we are. I mean, we're pretty much here to tell everybody that there is hope. And everything awesome. starts and ends with you as an individual. That's awesome. That's wonderful, Miguel. I really appreciate you calling to to share that success with us. And so things are going well for you now? Oh, yes, they are. Better than ever. I'll be honest with you. Uh, both me and my wife uh, talk about, you know, how things were uh, mm-hmm. before and how they are now. And I'm not saying that what we went through is the right way to do it because it's not. Um there was a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of tears. But what we have now, what we've been able to accomplish, mm-hmm. uh, in all honesty, we wish that we would have known this 25 years ago when, when we got uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I understand that, my friend. Yeah. Again, that's a, such a, a great call. Thank you so much. You have encouraged me, and, and Kimberly will hear this uh, later herself. She was unable to be with us today, and, and she will appreciate that very much. Thank you so much for sharing this with other people and for caring about and helping other people, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. I just want to say thank you so much to you guys, and Merry Christmas to all of you. And like I said, there is always... Okay, thank you, and Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Uh, unfortunately, we have a little bit of sound problems on that one, but I, that was a great message from him, and I really, really appreciate that. Okay, uh, here we go. We're going to go now down to Texas, and we're going to talk to Tiffany in Texas. Hi, Tiffany. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? 
I'm rocking and bobbing. <laughs> what may I do for you today? Um, so I've done a lot of push behaviors with my husband. I did them before I found out about you all. Um, mm-hmm. And so we've been back and forth about he, he wants to leave. He actually told me Saturday he wants to leave. And I got upset with him because it was the day before our birthday, our son's birthday party. And it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, yeah. you know, it's 12 days before Christmas. And he knows I'm absolutely devastated over it. He just, he's very harsh. He does his honesty, but it's harsh. Um, he agreed to try. I was supposed to leave before Thanksgiving. I was going to go to California for a month just to, mm-hmm. you know, clear my head and get away. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, my question is, um, he he said again after we had our argument Saturday that he was going to try. And I think in his head he really believes he's going to try. But he absolutely refuses to really talk to me. He doesn't call me during the day. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't, not even a text. Um, he He is more worried about work or being on Facebook or just, Anything else other than it's like when he sees me, it's like he's repulsed by me. And he says that yeah. I am I'm incorrect about that, that he loves me, that he's just not in love with me. So he just doesn't want to um he just doesn't want to 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 be with me like that. And then when we are trying and I say, Hey, you know, can can we go on a walk or can we, you know, go for a dinner or like mm-hmm. I try to give him a hug, he just he absolutely refuses. He just mm-hmm. and he tells me this is how things are now, um, and I'm just upset because he's not with me like he used to be. His biggest um, complaint was mm-hmm. I had control issues because he had adultery issues in our relationship. Mm-hmm. So I just don't. Know. I asked him if he would go to the workshop. He said no. He agreed to do the online course. I didn't realize the online course was just for me, so we we didn't. You know, we haven't done that. Um, right. I just don't know, is there, is there anything else that I can do to make, I mean, not make him try, but is there anything else I can do when he doesn't try, when he absolutely refuses to try, and then he's just like, okay, I'm out mm-hmm. again? Do you know why he wants out? Um, we separated for two weeks in September. He slept with someone. Uh, he's really angry with me. He's very angry right now. I can just tell. Like He has a lot of pent-up anger. I think part of it is he just wants to be alone. He doesn't want the responsibility of having to answer to anyone anymore because of all the mistakes that he made in the past. I had a really hard time forgiving him. And when he Mm -hmm. came back, I let everything go. There was issues with his family and I, and we repaired all of those things. Mm -hmm. I did everything. We even went to marriage counseling, which made everything worse. And when I went back to see the counselor after some time, he was like, wow, most people don't, you know, they don't do what the other spouse is asking like such an extent. And my husband mm-hmm. just tells me it's too late. I just did it too late. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, if I may ask it, was there any particular event in his life that would be considered to be a loss anytime in this calendar year, like the, the loss of a parent or the loss of a job or uh, is there anything that he would, anything, any situation he would perceive as a loss that's occurred this year? It was not this year. It was two years ago. He lost his ex-girlfriend. It was his ex-girlfriend from high school. The reason his family and I had issues were, was because they were still very, very close to her. And mm-hmm. her and I had issues with each other. And so I don't think that he's even maybe even properly grieved. I remember when I found out, you know, I told him and, and, and I told him, like, you know, I asked him if he was okay. Mm-hmm. And I, 
I cried and he just kind of read because mm-hmm. I was about to have my daughter. Uh, my daughter, uh, I had my daughter two, two weeks after um, she had passed away. And I'm um, so sorry. May I ask how yeah, old your husband is? He is 34. He'll be 35 in April. Okay. And you guys have been together how long? We've been together for 13 years. We have a 12-year-old son who just turned 12 mm-hmm. on Friday and a 2-year-old daughter who turned 2 on the 30th of November. Okay. And he thinks okay. that... So, I don't know what I just said. I pressed the wrong button there. I'm sorry about that. Let me go ahead and try to answer if I may, Tiffany. And forgive me for cutting you off. I pressed the wrong button, so forgive me. The um, In the situation you're describing, we we really encourage people, if at all possible, to be as patient as possible. Now, I understand that you have every right in the world to say, why don't you go on a walk with me? Why don't we talk about this? Why don't we do that? And I get that. It sounds to me like you're a very driven person, that you are, let's get it done right now, let's make it happen kind of person. But when the other person is vacillating, for example, saying, you know, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, that that kind of a person, a person at least in that situation, typically does not want to do anything that they feel pressured to do. And so if you were to say, okay, let's go for a walk for me, with me, and he says no, you see that as being a very negative thing toward you based on what you said. You're reacting to that in a negative way. And, and I can understand why you do. Maybe if I were in the same situation, I would as well. But that can so easily, whether you intend for it to or not, that so easily can come across as control. Like, what do you mean you won't go for a walk with me? What do you mean you won't talk about this? What do you mean you won't do that? And if indeed he's already pulling away from you and he feels that you're trying to pressure him into anything, no matter what it is, even a walk, then that causes the other person to pull further away from you. And that's what it sounds like happening to me. Obviously, I don't know him. I can't tell you for sure what's going on there. But it does sound to me as if he's pulling away from you because he feels he's being pressured. Now, if that's right, if that's correct, and only you can tell that, I can't. I don't know him. If that's correct, then my strongest advice to you would be yeah, to back off, to not let him know that you get frustrated that he won't go for the walk. As a matter of fact, since you know that he doesn't want to go for the walk, I would recommend that you not ask him to. Just take whatever comes for a while. Be patient. Back off a little bit. Now, if indeed he's still mourning the loss of a girlfriend from two years ago, and if that's, if that's what's affecting what's happening now, then you're right. He did not mourn it, and probably he's going to have to have some help to get past that. But rather than concentrating on her or concentrating on his family, which it sounds like you do not have a good relationship with, my suggestion is what I've just said. I'm being redundant. Back off. Back off. And and don't say anything about his family. Don't say anything about what he's doing. Just let let him have a safe place with you where he feels comfortable in talking to you, comfortable in being with you. Because you see, there's no way to put a relationship back together if the other person doesn't feel comfortable being with you or in your presence. And so that's where you need to start. And uh, let's see, did I say yet? Back off? <laughs> I think I said that two or three times here. So forgive me. Okay, now we're going to move over to Arkansas and we're going to move to Joshua. Hi, Joshua. How are you today? How are you doing today, sir? Hi. Well, other than falling apart, I'm doing great. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, I tell you what, you know, you get to a certain age when things just don't work right anymore, and and they don't they don't make the parts anymore. You know. <laughs> oh, may boy. I help you? To, yeah. uh, may I help you, Joshua? Um, okay. So my wife, I, I'm not really sure if she was in limerence or not. I've I've done about 
three quarters of the marriage helper course. My wife okay. started a relationship with a guy like almost two months ago now. She had a relationship with him, and about three weeks into the relationship, started texting me more intimately about things and whatnot, like hmm. even physical things. Um, mm-hmm. And then throughout that time, basically the relationship lasted about a month, and then she broke it off. Um, I mean, the night before she actually broke it off, she came over to my house and we were sitting on the couch by each other, and like she kissed me very passionately. Hmm. And then mm-hmm. broke it off the next day. And then she told mm-hmm. me, oh, I didn't break it off because of you. She was like, I just – and then later on she made it sound like it was a money thing, that I wasn't giving her enough or whatever, so she didn't think she had a choice. Well, anyway, uh, last night a friend of mine who's a friend of hers on Instagram sent me a picture, um, and I already knew that – I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I, I had assumed she was already seeing somebody else – in the last few days, um, just because I know her, <laughs> uh, just her personality and the way she acts when certain things happen. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, she she posted something on Instagram about got to spend this this weekend with this real handsome guy or whatever with some kisses and blah blah blah, kissy faces or whatever emoji things. <laughs> anyway, so then she texted me and. She didn't. She doesn't know that I know, and so mm-hmm. she's texting me and all this other stuff. And I just, I couldn't really talk to her. I had a hard time last night. I just found out about this. She texted me like 45 mm-hmm. minutes later, and I just kind of ignored her. And <laughs> then responded mm-hmm. to later on in the evening and made an excuse for why I couldn't <laughs> couldn't respond. I was busy or something like that. Anyway, so she texts. I texted her this morning, and I was just like, "Hope you had a good morning or whatever." And she said, "Well, I tried to talk to you last night, but you." And I just kind of didn't respond to that. I just, well, I hope mm-hmm. you're having a good day and whatever else and just kind of went on like I didn't see that. But anyway, so the question I have right now is I just went through this. It was about a month. She broke it off. And then here we go again, round two. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, we've we've actually been divorced since March of this year, and she left home in August of last year. Okay. And so um, – I have not stopped fighting for my marriage. I haven't given up yet or anything. Um, but I don't know the two things, I guess. Number okay. one, during that time of, like, she's not with somebody else and she kind of thinks she wants to come back or whatever has been mm-hmm. the most difficult time for me. Because, like, when you're in the middle of, like, she's with somebody else, right. it's, it's kind of – cut and dry of, okay, this is exactly what I can do and can't do. But, right. and then when she wants to be with you, it's easy. Cause I mean, you do whatever you got to do to work on the relationship, all that stuff. But in that stage of between the two, I have not known exactly how to handle that time period of like, she, she's not with me, but she's not, okay. not with me, <laughs> you know? Okay. And then if I may ask, if I may ask, how old is your wife? She is two years older than me. I'm 26, and she turns 28 in like a week and a half. Okay. And and I'm going to ask for a judgment call here, and I'm not asking you to throw your wife under the bus. I'm just trying to get a picture. Not at all. In, in relationship to other 28-year-old women that you know, would you say her maturity level is the same, more mature, or less mature than most of the 28-year-old women you know? It depends on what area. 
Um, she is mature in some ways. We have a bio. I have a son with her, and then she had a little boy before she was with me. Um, mm-hmm. And in some ways, like as far as handling a job and as far as taking care of the boy and all that stuff, she's incredibly mature. When okay. it comes well. to a relationship, she mm-hmm. the longest relationship she's ever had that I know of has been two years, aside from me, which it's been like four. Um, okay. But other than that, okay. yeah. She, it's, yeah. And in her background, um, has your wife had – and I'm, I'm afraid here, if I ask this question, I'm going to get too deep into it. But just briefly, briefly speaking, what kind of childhood did she have? Was it close to her parents or not? Well, okay. So I know that there's a rift at a minimum between her and her mom, and there was between her and her dad. Uh, she went through a very uh, traumatic sexual experience. I'm trying to say that as carefully as possibly. Uh, okay. When she was... 13 years old and basically her dad told her that if she had not um, had friends over to the house that wouldn't happen it would so I know that there's been a permanent rift there so she has had daddy issues because of that and then to this day she has a difficult time with her relationship okay. with her mother. Her mother is, yeah. So. Okay. And so is, is your wife the kind of person that when she's in a relationship, like when she is in a relationship with you, does she seek a lot of reassurance that you're that you're there for her? Um like so that's honestly been one of my biggest problems with this whole thing is I have been that that guy that's been like, doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how far you go or whatever else, I'll always mm-hmm. be here. And but, like but she seek that it. to friends. Mm-hmm. But is she yes, seeking your reassurance? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It would take uh, much too long for me to explain what's going on here, but it sounds as if what we have here is a problem with what's called an attachment style. Now, if you go, if you decide to look up on Google attachment style, discard the first thousand responses because most of what they put out there is just dumb. But if this is a situation that's going on, then it sounds like that, that your wife needs a lot of assurance and that she finds it sounds like, you tell me if this is right or not, it sounds like she finds some of her self-esteem and based on how other people treat her. Is that sounding right? Mm, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Here's my suggestion, my friend. So your question is, you know, should I let her know that I know about it? That's totally up to you. I suggest if you do let her know about it, that, that you know these things, that you don't do it as an ambush. In other words, it just out of the clear blue, boom, and she, because when people are ambushed, they become defensive. They do and say things that are not really smart. So my recommendation is rather than doing it that way, you do this. When you're having a good conversation sometime, when you're actually talking to each other, say, you know, I do love you. I know that you love me. But I feel as if somehow I have enabled behavior that, that's not great. And, and so I'm not saying that you're bad. I'm just saying that I can't do that anymore. I, I can't enable behavior that's not productive for us and, and good for you and good for me. And so I want you to know I love you. I would like to put this thing back together uh, if you're willing. But I don't, I can't live in this limbo of you're with somebody else than me, somebody else than me. Now, if you say those things, by the way, Joshua, you've got to mean them. <laughs> because if you say that and then you don't live up to that, then it'll just work against you. And what I mean by living up to that is this. If you tell her, I can't be this person in limbo. You know, you come, you go, you come, you go. Here's somebody else. Here's me again. Either be with me or don't be with me. 
Now, that's a big risk. It's a roll of the dice, without a doubt, because of the fact that she might decide to go someplace else. But my guess, and I'm guessing because I do not know your wife, my guess is that she really craves a relationship where she can feel secure, but based on her background, she doesn't trust it. And because she doesn't trust the relationship being secure, she's going to look for a lot of affirmation. That means that somewhere along the line, she's probably going to need some therapy or counseling to help her deal with that. But right now, in the short term, my answer to your question is this. I would not ambush her with that information, but if it were I, I would share it in the right context. I'd be calm. I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be anything other than, you know, I care about you. Love to put this thing back together. Love to be the rest of my life. But but this vacillation back and forth is killing me, and I can't live like that. That's the context in which I would share it if it were I. Now, it's up to you. You've got to do whatever you want to do. Okay, now we're going to go over to Kent in Texas. Hi, Kent. How may we help you today? Hi, Dr. Bean. Uh, it's good, good to talk to you. I love the videos. It's been incredibly helpful. Thank you. Uh, so a little over a year ago, my wife of over 25 years surprised me with the divorce papers and um, and moved out pretty quickly and just mm. didn't want to try to fix it. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but I started working on my pies. And mm -hmm. um, I think ultimately that was helpful. Um, I, mm -hmm. I would just um, either talk or email or maybe once a month and just ask her if she was still um, dead set on, on this course of action without even trying to, to put things back together. And the, you know, the answer was like, yeah, absolutely. Until um, uh, several months ago, uh, we spent some time together um, with our sons and she commented that she was seeing some really positive changes and started to reconsider uh, mm -hmm. her, her actions and um, I said, well, if you're serious about it, let's, let's drop the legal side of this. Mm -hmm. And she did. Okay. And, you know, we started spending time together and talking more and it was, it was really positive. And, Good. Um, and then uh, she, she got a job and uh, she's just been so busy with that. And I don't, I don't know if it's a consequence of that or, or just, second or third thoughts on her course of action, but just the communication is continually dropping. Um, just kind of, I kind of feel ignored most of the time. Mm -hmm. uh, don't, don't get a response, you know, ring, no answer on the phone, mm -hmm. no call back, those kinds of things. And I'm, and I'm, so I guess my question is, uh, is, is patience the, the word for the day or, um, something more proactive, um, you know, I'm, I'm not really at a point to where I could truthfully make ultimatums. Right. You know, because I, I, I desperately want to put this back together. Good. Good for you. And I hope that you can. My suggestion here would be this. Kent, think of it like this way. Uh, reconciliation is not a dive typically into the deep end of the pool. And when people do try to make the dive into the deep end of the pool, often it, it blows up on them. It doesn't work. I'd like to describe reconciliation as being more like wading in from the shallow end of the pool. And so it's, sometimes it's three steps forward and then two steps back, and then a step to the right and two steps to the left, then another step forward. Because reconciliation basically starts with 
each of you making a decision as to whether or not you want to be with each other again. And that decision does not necessarily happen just like that. It's a matter of even though you've known each other, been with each other, married to each other for 25 years, it's a relearning of each other because going through a process like this actually does cause some changes in each of you. And so just take it easy. Take it easy. Now, the fact that you know what's pulling her away, when I say pulling her away, I mean she's not having the conversations with you. She's not answering the phone. If you know that's pretty much tied to her work, then at least you don't have to panic thinking, oh, my goodness, is it this, is it that, is whatever. If you know it's primarily her work, that that's where you think's happening, then don't panic about this. Now, part of the process of, of wading in from the shallow end of the pool is to date. Now, if you're not doing that and she's willing to do so, I recommend that. You know, hey, uh, can we make time every other week? Whatever. Just not, just don't push it. Can we make time every other week or however it might be? And, and let's just go to dinner together, just the two of us. And, and uh, no pressure, just, just being friends, just conversation. And that's what it really does need to be. It doesn't need to be let's talk about a relationship. Let's talk about how to fix this thing. You want to evolve into that by waiting a little further, a little further, a little further into the shallow end of the pool so that it becomes a natural part of the conversation and not just one that you bring up, but because it becomes a natural part of the conversation, it's also part of what she brings up. And so I don't think you just sit there and do nothing, but I think you've got to be patience is a key. You got that right. But it's a matter of, okay, now that we're getting to know each other again, and you're pretty busy and tied up doing things. And I get that. I understand. Can we at least have dinner together every other week or Whatever's the right amount of time, whatever doesn't feel like a push to her, but is enough for you guys to start learning each other again, because, you know, if it takes two months, three months, six months, even to figure out how to do this, that's a drop in the bucket against the 25 years you've already had together and all the years you can have together in the future. And I realize when you love somebody, you want to put things together, you want it to happen right now. I'm like that as well. I get it. But it's the worst thing you can do is to try to have it right now. So shallow into the pool, patient, wade, but I would recommend that you start the dating if you can. Okay. And now we're going over here to Chad in Pennsylvania. Hi, Chad. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm rocking and bopping and falling apart. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not falling apart yet, but I'm doing I'm doing the rocking and bopping. I got um, I got I have a knee problem. You're not a doctor by any chance, are you? Can you come down here and fix my knee? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> okay. Um, How may I help you? And I, well, and I know this subject can get really in depth, so I, I try to keep as brief as possible. Um, okay. My wife has been in. Um, in a life crisis for about the last year and a half. Um, mm. I have definitely been able to, to see very clear cut, you know, the, the progression of the, the grief and, and how she's acted and, and things that she has opened up to me about and talked about. Um, the end of September, she literally, she said it was like a switch. She said, something told me I have to go. I have to leave. And mm. she literally stayed in the car for a week. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> a male coworker, uh, said, you know, Hey, if you want to split rent with me, you're more than welcome to, to stay at my place, um, until you find something. Um, mm -hmm. she did confess, uh, back around Thanksgiving that once she was there, she went there solely with the ambition to split rent. Um, but that, 
you know, one thing led to another and, and it did cross the line. Um, mm-hmm. She has that, that, like I said, that was the end of September um, that she left. She has taken a turn toward me. Uh, she's vacillating very heavily, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. she actually also this week got her own place. She told me that is done. Um, and, you know, she needs time to, to spend on her own and to figure this mm-hmm. out on her own. And my question is, while I'm not, I mean, I guess it would have been like a relationship type affair or, or something along those lines, very short lived or, or possibly, but, do I really need to kind of look at this in two totally different, you know, I mean, I have on one hand the, 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 the affair on one hand, but on the other hand, you know, this is something she's been dealing with way before we entered this situation. And I guess that's moving forward. I'm not real sure what my position should be. Okay. So um, I'm seeing here on my screen, it says that uh, you are also asking whether this might be a life crisis kind of thing. Is that what you think it might be in addition to limerence? Is that what you're saying? I do. Like I said, the life crisis, I believe it, it, it really, I saw the triggers once we became empty nesters. Um, okay. And like I said, that happened about a year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah, it it could be both things that that the the life crisis, as you're calling it, may have set up the vulnerability for limerence. If indeed she's gone through limerence, you see what most people refer to as a midlife crisis. We don't call it that. Uh, what most people refer to as a midlife crisis isn't really midlife. <laughs> it can happen anytime. It can happen several times, and, and t- typically it's a form of grief. In other words, I, mm-hmm. something that I had, I've lost, or something I expected to have, I realize I'm never going to get. And when people go into a grief situation, it, it's, it's pretty painful when they're grieving that. So empty nesters, that could be a big trigger for this kind of thing. Does that create the vulnerability for these other things to occur? It definitely can. Now, I don't know, though, that that means you do anything any differently, whether it's it's a life crisis, as you say, that, that set this up, whether it really is limerence or not, it's still the same kind of response. And that response is this. It's, I'm going to try to understand. I'm going to try to be there. I'm going to be this safe place. I'm going to work on my pies. And what you're hoping that's going to occur is that you've probably heard us say this. People don't leave what they have unless they believe what they're going to is better. Okay. People don't One leave One of my what favorite things. Yep. Okay. So if she believes that's better, by the way, I'm glad she moved out from the other person. Great. Yeah. I mean, I wish that she had moved back in with you. That would have been a whole lot better, but at least to be away from that situation. And so now, now the thing is that you, no matter what it really is at the core, it's the same response. You become the best you that you can be by working on yourself physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. And, and that when, and if she does have conversations with you, you develop that friendship where they, she can feel safe with you and talk to you about more and more things. And, and the more she can feel safe talking to you, and this doesn't happen overnight. It takes a little while to do, which I know nobody wants to hear. I want it to happen right now. But if you do that, it's the same thing, no matter which of these two things it is. You still do the same thing. And for those who are new to us or not heard much of what we had to say before, when we talk about the physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, that we call that PIES because P-I-E-S, physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. You can find out more about PIES by going to our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube.com slash Marriage Helper, we have a lot of videos out there. 
and there's some on the subject of pies. I strongly recommend that if you're not familiar with pies, that you go look at that. If you subscribe, when you go to that YouTube channel, subscribe to Mary's Helper, then anytime we have a new video coming out, then you'll be notified that it's there. And I'm asking our producer, Jesse, how many videos a week are we putting out now on average? Uh, two every week, and then we have our live show. Before. Two every week in addition to some things like this. And so we recommend that you go to YouTube dot, uh, slash, not dot, YouTube slash, YouTube.com slash Mary's Helper, and subscribe to the videos. Okay, I'm going to go to one last call very quickly, if I can get that. Okay, I was going to look at it, but apparently that person hang up I was going to go to. No, here's one. I'm going to take one quick call before we go, and we're going to go to Tyrone again in the great state of Texas. Hi, Tyrone. How may we help you? Hey, how are you doing? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. How may we help you? Yes, sir. I was calling because um, recently... Me and my wife, uh, she decided to move out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, about five months ago, I was caught texting another female. And then I did it again about last month, the same woman. And mm-hmm. over time, I also told her that I wasn't exactly happy with her body and said that I wasn't attracted to, like, her stomach sexually after our child. And Right now, she's saying that all of that is just too much after being caught this second time and that she's just done. And, you know, everything that I'm hearing is that it's no hope for our relationship, and she's just done. She'll never be able to get over it. She's going to live the rest of her life miserable, and, you know, those mm-hmm. types of things. And I'm, it's hard to have faith right now because I want it, and I know that I need to change. And I know things that I need to do better, and I'm striving to do so. But I've also, this happened a month ago. I've been big and every day and, you know, I haven't really given her space because, you know, I just feel mm-hmm. like, man, like, so sorry. And I don't know. I just feel like I got to let her know that every day. And then when I see her, cause she's still at the house, she's not moving until Friday. This upcoming Friday, mm-hmm. she's moving. Harder. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't know what to do. And everything that she says and everyone that I talk to is like, yeah, man, it just sounds like she's done. And I don't know. I mean, you can pray, but. It doesn't sound like she's going to change her mind. And then she tells me every time I ask her, like, no, I'm done. There's no hope. Like, I'm not going to be able to come back to this. I just want to know, like. Well, think about it this way. When it comes to hope, when it comes to hope, I have actually seen, we helped a marriage one time get back together. The guy had had 12 extramarital affairs. Now, obviously, that's unusual. And and the wife had every right in the world to say, I'm not going to take you back. not going to put this together. What I'm trying to tell you about the story is this that there's always hope until until such time as one of you marries somebody else or if, oh, God forbid, one of you dies. I always say there's hope. Now, if she loves you, obviously she's very hurt by what you did. And we understand that. I mean, you understand that. And my friend, I would recommend first, Tyrone, that you figure out why in the world you would do that twice. And if you need to get professional help to do that, then get the professional help to help you figure that out. Because if you did it twice, then she's thinking you'll do it a third time or a fourth time. And you need to be thinking the same thing. Well, if I did it twice, there's a possibility of a third time or a fourth time. Even if you're saying to yourself, no, I'll never do that. I'm straightened up now. There's some weakness there that set that up. And finding out what that is in you and fixing that would be a number one priority. Number two, don't pressure her. Don't push her. She's hurt. She has every right to be hurt. And in her hurt, she's making some statements and she's doing some things to take care of herself. My guess is that every friend and relative she has is telling her to leave you and never come back because that's what people do. They take her hurt on themselves and give very bad advice. But you can't stop that. 
you can't change that. Right now, she's listening to them. If ever she's going to listen to you again, it's because you're going to demonstrate that, first of all, you figured out why. Secondly, that you then have remedied that. You've gotten to a place, a situation where it's not likely at all that's going to occur again. Now, you can't just tell her that because right now, whatever you say, she's going to be saying, yeah, well, you're lying to me. So don't try to tell her anything. Get yourself repaired to get past whatever's causing this. Then demonstrate that to her over time, slowly, not telling her. And whatever you do, as I just said, don't try to control her in the process. Let her have some freedom. If this is going to be fixed, if it's going to be, it's going to take some patience on your part and some real changing and growth on your part that's going to be pretty deep. But is it possible? Absolutely is possible. The only time we give up on a marriage, the only time is what I just said. If one of them marries somebody else or if one of them dies. Otherwise, there's always hope. And I'll guarantee you, we have seen, we have witnessed situations that everybody else would say is absolutely impossible. There's no hope and seen those things work out. So don't give up hope. Check us out on marriagehelper.com and uh, be sure to check out that new program we have called Smart Contact, you go to marriagehelper.com slash, I'm looking at the screen, I'm trying to see, <laughs> I have to read it off the screen over here, uh, we can get it up, okay, it's going to be marriagehelper.com slash, well, apparently we're not going to be able to put it back on the screen again, uh, it, it, okay, there it is, smart dash contact dash toolkit. So it's marriagehelper.com slash smart dash contact dash toolkit. It'll tell you about the things you need to do if indeed your spouse is not ready to come back right now. That'll tell you the right things to do that are not manipulative, but very effective if you do them. Thank you very much for being with our program. Kimberly Holmes, our CEO, should be back with us next week. We will see you then.